If you've been following along, I've been talking a lot about the role of the evangelist in companies, and I really, really, really believe in it. But it's not just about the chief evangelist. It's not just about having this one person. Really, this whole idea of community is getting to that level two of community that we talk about when you can grow multiple evangelists. And if you can get that thing rolling, then you have this like real scale that you can start reaching and getting that relationship flywheel turning. And that is why I brought Leslie Greenwood on, who is a evangelist about evangelists, right? She was um, really instrumental in the growth of Pavilion. And she experienced this idea that it's not about the top-down evangelism thing. It's how you can enable people to go out there and be your super fans and make that grow. She talks about her framework of identifying, engaging, empowering, and amplifying the voice of these community members. She talks about the strength of her evangelist-led growth framework and why you need a point of view in community success and in getting these evangelists to go. So it's all very in line with the things we've been learning recently on this show and just a really great real-world application of someone who's out there doing it at scale. I think you're really going to enjoy it. This is the way that we evangelize our stuff, right, is we host these live internet talk shows and these content engagements that engage your evangelists and empower them with content. Um, so if you want to be a part of one of these, come on Mondays at 4.30. The link is in the show notes for you to join us live, and we go after uh, into an open mic session where we exchange our ideas and we post-produce this content. So hope to see you at one of these sometime soon. But for now, enjoy Evangelist-Led Growth with Leslie Greenwood. If you know how it is, then you know how it might be. But think what it would look like if you grow your own community. It ain't easy. That's why you're listening to hear experiences from others just like you and me. Welcome to the B2B Community Builder Podcast, a show that was started because if you can unlock the power of having a community around your business, then you will create a source of referrals, validation, marketing content, and product feedback that will be unbeatable. But who has time to think about building a community when you need to be making sure that your team has what it needs to succeed in serving clients and bringing in revenue? That is why we'll be talking to business leaders like you and I that have cracked the code on why the community play is so valuable, how to implement tactics that got them there while still serving short-term goals, and what they can teach you that they have mastered. This show is for you if you are a CEO, CMO, or simply a rainmaker that has realized that without a community, you are just a commodity, but haven't figured out how to add it to your infinite list of priorities. This show is for you if you are a community professional or trying to be a community professional that is trying to convince leadership about the need to invest in a community strategy. This show is not for you if you think transactions are more valuable than relationships. I am your host and chief executive connector, Pablo Gonzalez, co-founder of BeTheStage.Live, a marketing company that specializes in relationship-driven growth. I invented the relationship flywheel and hopefully... I'm your new best friend. So smash that subscribe button, leave a rating when you do, and get ready to plug into the power of community creation for business 
development. Let's go. Welcome to the B2B Community Builder Show, episode 216. I'm your host and chief executive connector, Pablo Gonzalez. And today we are talking about something that I've been getting really, really hot on over the last like two months, but really, you know, piqued my curiosity about midway through last year. I started really considering whether or not I would change the name of this podcast to like CEO evangelist or something that had to do with evangelism. Cause I see evangelism as the core it's, it's, intricately tied to community creation, in my opinion. And that's why when I found our guest today, Leslie Greenwood on LinkedIn, championing evangelist-led growth and seeing what she's accomplished at Pavilion Community and what she's talking about, it was an instant kind of like connection to everything that I was wondering if it was true and it became an awesome validation. So I wanted to have her on the show. She is a legend in the B2B SaaS community space because of her work with Pavilion, has a chief evangelist consulting practice that I think is another trend that I think is going to be coming soon is much more evangelism consultants, fractional evangelists, all that kind of like stuff that we are already seeing around regular job descriptions that we're already familiar with. But we're going to dive into all that right now with Leslie Greenwood. Leslie, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Pablo. I'm excited to be here. I'm glad you uh, stumbled upon me on LinkedIn and we got this chance to chat about evangelism. Yeah, I'm I'm pumped too. So it was it wasn't so much of a like we were connected, but then Lori Goldman, who's like the ultimate kind of like community super connector that connects me to everybody interesting, she mentioned you. Know, I was like, oh yeah, I'm friends with her. And then I started paying attention to what you're doing. Clearly, clearly fits perfectly well. All right, cool. I want to welcome the community. If you are here, it is for your own benefit to be a part of this show. This is why we do it live. It's a live talk show so that you can guide the conversation as much as us. And we use your your feedback to make this as valuable to you as possible. So Kathy, Rachel, you're the first two to show up today. Good to have you here. Feel free to use the Q&A function. Feel free to use the chat to meet each other. Let me know where you're coming from. What brought you here? I want to be your friend. But let's just dive right into it, Leslie. as As I get into, you know... The conversations that I've had around community in the last like eight years or so that I've been evangelizing it, I find that the biggest mistake people make is that they try to play Superman in their community. They think the community is a way to like sell their time in a fractional way that makes more sense. And they quickly end up, you know, that 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 has been a failure point of, mm-hmm. of what I think community programs have been. So I I wonder when when you talk about evangelist-led growth, it's not this idea of, you know, a chief evangelist that is out there, you know, like sowing seeds of hope everywhere and then serving everybody. You're talking about a little bit differently. Do you wanna do you wanna tell us a little bit about what you mean by evangelist-led growth? Yeah. So I think about evangelist-led growth from kind of like the I call it the ground up or the grassroots kind of way. So it's you know, the people that you provide a level of service or help that will go out and talk about you, just the regular John, Jane, and Joe. And they'll go on LinkedIn and say, hey, you should know this person, or I should make an introduction or something. And they are just, you know, speaking about you because they want to with no payment, no instigation, no motivation. There's no stars, there's no points, there's no rewards. They're just doing it. 
So yeah, that's the way I think about it. A little bit different from, like you said, those people that have the title evangelist, but it's more of the pyramid and they're out yeah. here with a beacon. And I'm saying, okay, let's just go make a ton of people at the bottom and then let them rise up. Why do you think that that's more effective? Or like, why do you, why, why is that, why is that the thing that you are, that you are pushing, right? Because that to me is the differentiation in kind of like your POV is this idea that it's not top-down evangelism, it's ground-up evangelism. Why, why do you think that that is the message that people are, need to hear? Mm-hmm. You know, for me, I feel it's more, what's the word? It's more organic. I think there's a place where, you know, the evangelists either grow in their company or they get hired into their company. And I think we'll get to the point where people will start to feel like that's a little bit more like advertising. Whereas if it's just your neighbor, I mean, if you think about, you know, communities and everything, I mean, back in the day, like let's go old is old is new and new is old here. Like if you and I were neighbors and I walked next door and said, Hey, you got to go try out John's restaurant on the corner. And you'd be like, I am going on Saturday. Let's go. You know, so that's, this is exactly what we're talking about. We don't have, there's no technology for it. There's no AI for it. There's, there's nothing. It's just literally me telling someone that something's amazing and you believe me. And it's, you know, they show that that's word of mouth is the best type of advertising. And I think that's more believable long-term. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I I couldn't agree more. I, you know, to me, it's, there is no more convincing thing than hearing two people talk about something that you are interested in amongst, you know, with each other, validating that thing that you're interesting, interested in without it being, you know, without the person who bears the the benefit of you buying in present, mm-hmm. right? So like this idea yeah. of like, let, let somebody else tell you why I'm so great is, is absolutely to me the the most underrated kind of like opportunity to, to get out there and enable people. And it sounds, it sounds kind of like what, it sounds like what you are systematizing, right? 100% putting a strategy behind it, having a point of view on it, and really just focusing on that one atomic unit and using that to like grow so many different parts of the business. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about that. I love it. Michael Haynes, welcome to the show, my friend. Good to have you here as well. Um, when did you when did you start keying in on this, Leslie? What was the aha moment that you're like, oh, this ground up evangelist thing, this is what's up? It happened, you know, during my tenure at Pavilion Collective. You know, people would go out and just go on LinkedIn and say, this is amazing. You should join. Or, you know, maybe we'd send them a baby onesie or something like that. And they'd post the one that we really... Uh, put a, put a strategy behind. And so as I was moving away from pavilion, you know, I just decided that that's what I loved. I love that people powered part of the business. And I wanted to really hone in on that. It was actually, I can't, I was speaking to a friend as kind of like a business advisor. It's like, you know what you're talking about? I'm like, what evangelist led growth. I'm like, let's go. <laughs> and so, I mean, I, I can't take for claim for making it up, but um, we kind of putting it out there in the world. Love it. I love it. What I, I think I understood all, everything that you said, right? Like you were, you were in pavilion. You started noticing that your biggest wins were coming when other people were sharing the great things that were happening inside pavilion. Mm-hmm. You started kind of talking about that and somebody gave you the, the, Hey, this is a thing. Like they, they kind of like named it for you and you're mm-hmm. like, ah, and it, and it rung true. How, 
how long, how long from there to like going all in and starting a business based on this thing? Actually, it's funny. I had already named the business. So I'd, before okay. that, I'd already named it Chief Evangelist Consulting. So, okay. but I had no idea where I was going with that, to be quite honest. I just named it. And then as I was talking to people, it just started, you know, making sense. And then I just rolled with it. And I didn't know the timing is so weird because I didn't know that this, the influx and the the movement around evangelism was going to get so like hot mm. in the market. Yeah. And so I'm just definitely a uh, benefit of some, some luck and timing potentially. Yeah, that's cool, man. That's awesome. I, they they say you engineer your own luck, right? Like you're listening to the market, you're getting insights, yeah, you get to be ahead of something as as the tide catches up. Let's talk about, you know, on the onboarding call, you we talked a little bit about a framework, right? Like the thing that you that you kind of take people through that includes identifying, engaging, empowering, and and then amplifying the voice of the voice of evangelists. You wanna you wanna talk me through where you get started. If you are, if you are with someone that is interested in either enabling evangelists within their company or within their, mm-hmm. or within their clientele, or they are literally just starting a community mm-hmm. or, or, you know, wanting to go down that path, where do you, where do you get started with folks? How do, what's the beginning of this thing? Yeah. It's about identifying them. And that is, you know, depends on what you have. So community, you're going to look at login data, you know, I, I'm sure you've seen this too, Pablo, where like some of your most dedicated members, they're not the ones who are liking and commenting on every post, but they're there consistently consuming. So being mm-hmm. able to find this in your community data is important. Like for me, yes, Rachel, the lurkers, and, you know, the honestly, lurkers. I'm just going to put a little spin on here. I don't care if a lurker emoji something. So all you platform makers, come talk to me. Let me give you all my ideas on how I want the perfect platform. I don't want them to have to emoji something to consider them a lurker. I want them just to log in and read something. So side note on that one. So, you know, that if you have a product and you're using Pendo or some sort of data that you can see who the product usage is, like who's logging in every day, who's using it the most within a company. Let's say you only have 10 seats and three of them aren't being used, but John and Joe are using it every day. So how do we make them feel special and try to get them to tell the other people to come on? So yeah, those are a couple of places that I would certainly start looking for them. Got it. So it's, so it's find, it sounds almost like it's a different, it's, it's, it's a different metric than what people are used to having like these engagement metrics but it sounds like you're kind of like redefining what engagement means. You're saying like presence might be engagement, or if it's a a community of, let's say you don't have a community and a platform per se, but you have a company and you have clientele, maybe it's not purchase price or whatever, as much as how many people they've referred or like mm-hmm. what kind of signal you can get that they are spending an inordinate amount of time thinking about you or, Mm -hmm. or, or the, the ecosystem that you have around you. Is that kind of right? Yeah, absolutely. Like taking a really holistic view out of that. So if I think back to my pavilion days, I might have a member who only logs in once a year, but they get enough value and they're once a year that they come back or maybe Mm -hmm. someone that does, doesn't like to participate in a community, but they'll come to every event or they're liking every, you know, every time the company posts on LinkedIn, they're liking and engaging with the post. There's like so many places to find them. And I think we just don't look you know, hard enough or maybe at all specifically to find those people. Because I think we're often distracted by the people that are like, hey, it's me. Hi. 
I'm commenting, yeah. I'm posting and not paying attention to those, those people that might be slightly more in the background. Yeah, that makes, that makes sense. I, I like Joe, Joe's box term here, show uppership. <laughs> Wherever and, that is, I'll take it. Yeah, yeah. And th- and Venny is saying there is a solid difference between lurkers and inactive users, right? And we should measure them differently. I think this is something that's really common in all communities, right? Like it's that Pareto principle. There is the people that are the most engaged are going to be driving you know, most of, they're the ones benefiting most of the value. Mm -hmm. And yet most of the people that are, I think I said it, I think I, I, I positioned this wrong, but it's like most of the people in a community are showing up and not really speaking all the time Mm -hmm. because that may not be in their nature, but there has to be some kind of way to differentiate between the volume of your voice and like your use, like how much Mm -hmm. you use it and how much value you get out of it. Right. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, and think about different personas. Like if I have a community of like, for me, revenue leaders, they all want to get up and talk. If I had a, a whole community of developers, that's not going to be their persona. I need to think about different ways to engage them. And then you take in language, culture, and all of that. It's just like, there's so many variables on what, you know, value means to that person and how they contribute in the community. Yeah, that makes sense. So you you kind of said what the next step was, which is engage, right? So if in in the, in this world, no, 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 it's perfect. In, in this <laughs> in this world of like identifying your your lookers or your show uppers or your super consumers, however you want to put it, once you once you figure out who they are, the next move is to engage. Can you tell us mm-hmm. about that? Yeah. So you know, figuring out like who they are, and then figuring out you know what would engage them. So you know, we all want them to be that person that's the shining star that's going to get up on the you know, they're already famous and they're going to get up on the webinar and do the thing. Well, you know, that's not always them. And they're not ready. Oftentimes they're not ready to do that either. So it's like, you got to think about like, okay, if they're not coming in talking or maybe they leave a comment or a, you know, something like that, then how do we kind of match that energy to them? Because if I came in hot and said, Hey, you want to be on a webinar? And they're like, Holy crap. I just commented once. What are you crazy? You know, maybe it's, you see a great comment and you know that, you know, Pablo has been logging on you know, daily. And this is the first time he commented like, Hey, I really loved your comment. It was insightful. Something like that. You know, you're starting to build that little bit of a relationship so that you could continue to ask maybe for something or give them more value to kind of raise their profile and for them to feel comfortable because it has to be valuable to them. You know, whatever that engagement is, it has to be valuable to them. I like that. I like that. And I, I've definitely experienced this myself, right? Like in our, in our biggest community, the, the not Travage investor show community, there is a guy that literally comments on every, you know, he's one of the most active people in the zoom chat, but we've asked him to be on the show a couple of times and not into it, right? Like he is a military guy, doesn't want to talk about his investments. So how do we, how do we then add value to what he's doing or, mm-hmm. or, you know, validate him further in in some kind of way, it almost feels like different people have different love languages for mm-hmm. for what's valuable to them mm-hmm. and and how you fit that in. Have you have you found ways of like do you have a way to kind of like rule that stuff out or mm-hmm. or think of different ways to engage different types of people with different incentives? Yeah, so for for your example, so maybe, you know, he doesn't want to be on camera, but maybe he would contribute to an article or maybe you could interview him for a member spotlight. Or since he's you know, unless he's totally shy about everything, you know, he's participating a lot, give him a member, 
you know, a member of the month award, something like that. So just thinking about different ways to do it or, you know, somebody like that, maybe tagging them in another post and saying, Hey, you know, I know you have a lot of experience here mm-hmm. and then, you know, kind of playing, not playing off of, but like highlighting their expertise. And, you know, that's, we all love that. Actually, I think I just wrote my LinkedIn post about that this afternoon. So you just have to find out which one it is. And you have to kind of see, you know, how are they already engaging? Yeah. Yeah. How do how they're already engaging, engage mm-hmm. with them in a way that they're that they're comfortable with before escalating it. I guess, I guess the main lesson here is don't don't escalate what they are doing too much because you might lose them. It's kind of like pulling too hard on the line and you might snap yep. it. Yep. A hundred percent, hundred percent. And it's, you know, the thing about community in general is relationship based. So you're not going to just, it's like, you know, what they call it on LinkedIn pitch slapping. Like I connect yeah. with you. I'm like, Hey, and by the way, do you want to buy my product? Yeah. So it's almost like that. If you think about it, you know, we need to do a little bit of rapport building first. Okay. All right. And then, and then once you've, once you've engaged them, if you figure out their love language, you got them communicating back with you, right? Like they've taken mm-hmm. a, a next step in, in show upership engagement. Now, now the next one is empower. Can you tell me about that? Yeah. So, you know, whether that's empower, giving them a platform, if they're willing to take it also, you know, just talking about the value of their, of your company, you know, you're probably not going to just hand them a, you know, one sheeter and say, here's my company, go sell it for me. Give them the information. If you have a referral program, make sure they have a referral link, make sure that they're feeling appreciated for what they are doing within the community or outside in the world. So it's really just giving them information and then helping to make them feel comfortable sharing it with others. Got it. So giving them, giving them the information that allows them to share it with others. What is that? What do you think about the, like, what does that not look like? Right. Like what is a, what is a good version of that? What's a bad version of like information for them to share with others? You know, I would say I'd probably dig right into the member, you know, and say, okay, mm-hmm. tell me a little bit, how, like, where have you found the most value? Okay, well, here are the other places some other members have gotten value. So, like, I'm actually educating, but then mm-hmm. expanding upon their knowledge. So, that's probably the the route I would take. I mean, if you get to the point where they're like, oh, my God, I just, I know so many people I want to refer. Awesome. Let me give you a one-sheeter and your referral link. You know, like, they may take you there anyway, but that's definitely not where you're going to go at first, because it's not going to feel genuine. It's not going to feel like part of this relationship you've been building. And it actually kind of cheapens what you've been building. If you go into that too fast. Do you think that communities need to create some kind of version of that to begin with? Right? Like, I feel like there is when people ask me for a referral, I'm always like, what's a great piece of content I can put in front of somebody to like, you know, to do it or like what is what is the best way to do that do you do you start with the end in mind there or is that something that you wait for them to ask you what it is i mean as far as like the getting like totally commercial with them yeah just just the the you know that empowering piece right like mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. it feels like you're enabling it's almost like sales enablement i wonder what the what the balance is between the standard thing that you give to everybody mm-hmm. versus mm-hmm. giving different people different things to mm-hmm. to empower them. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's definitely a differentiator there for sure and it's then how you enable it. So think about it this way. I know, you know, I'd have people that would send me referrals and there's people you could send them through the referral link or they'd just mutual intro me on email. 
And from certain people, I'm going to take, you know, live mutual intro links and have a person to person conversation. So then now I'm, you know, giving that person preferential treatment because I'm taking their, you know, the referral as a personal call rather than going through the system. So, mm. you know, there's, there's, it's, I don't know, one of those perks that you get as you become a little bit more of a trusted advisor. Yeah, that makes sense. So, uh, so there's, so, so what I'm hearing is that there's different levels of empowerment, right? Like mm-hmm. there's the, there's the empowerment of, Hey, you are now named ambassador of our community. And this is the way that you give people referral links to come in here. There's the empowerment of, I trust you so much that you have a certain level of control on my calendar. That's mm-hmm. another level of, of empowerment. And then there is maybe smaller levels of empowerment of just like, oh man, if you've, if you've had this same issue, there's somebody else that has the same issue. Maybe I can pair you one-on-one and you can mm-hmm. learn from each other or, 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 or something like that. Right. Yep. hundred percent. You nailed it. Do you, do you organize that in ways like, do you, do you keep like, how do you organize that? I guess is my yeah. question. Well, I'll tell you, we didn't organize it before. Okay. So it was just, you know, it, you just did it. Like it was part of the culture and the fabric of what we did. I think that's, I mean, that's the operational part. That's what I'm going to have to build at my next community is figuring out how yeah. to like log it, track it. I mean, you can start with baselines, like how many referrals do you have now? How many people do social mentions, things like that. Yeah, no. So I'm almost like you need a CRM of evangelists. Maybe you could give people tags. There you go. Yeah, yeah maybe. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. It's Library it's funny box. that. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's like sales enablement, evangelist enablement, right? Like community intelligence platform, however you want to put that. Venia puts this, this brings to mind how Lori got us connected. And I feel like I've thought of Lori's name like five times in all of this, right? Because she's someone that number one, introduced us to as well, right? Mm-hmm. Or at least, or at least got got me moving in that in that way and she's absolutely what I would categorize as a an evangel like a ground up evangelist for things that mm-hmm. she partakes in right like mm-hmm. I think if yep. she likes anything she's out there doing the work herself of like yep. oh man who can Leslie meet who can Pablo meet oh they can meet each other yeah. and bring in people in organically and and that's really how so many people have come this way and then the other part that that happens is when I then find someone like yourself and I amplify it, right? Like I bring you onto my stage yep. to then talk about you. This allows for anybody that's interested in hearing from you to show up. Maybe they like what I'm saying and they stick around, right? Like how do you how do you see the the, the amplify piece beyond empowering? How do you see that piece? Yeah, and that that kind of goes back. It almost goes back to the first step of like identifying and engaging. Is like now you know what motivates them. And so let's just mm. do, let's do more of it. You know, if, if you're an engaging speaker and you have a, are a thought leader, then let me give you the stage. Let me give you the limelight on LinkedIn. Let me have the company share more information. If I think a little bit about our process here. So, you know, you've, you've invited me, you've given me a stage, but you've also sent me a lot of information. How do I, how could I socially share this? How could I, you know, so you're, you are empowered. You were empowering me to be an evangelist for the show by the information you sent, by the way you conducted our pre-interview. And it made me feel a certain kind of way. You know, we made a fairly good early connection. And so it's like now, you know, I want to go share more about it. And you've really Mm -hmm. kind of run, you kind of ran the process on me, Pablo. And, you know, we didn't even know it. So (laughs) that's true. That's true. You know, I, I, 
it's funny that you say that, right? Like, and I, I feel like I've said this multiple times on the show when I meet community builders and I have them on this platform and everybody, it's such a nascent field that everybody's kind of gotten to it from a different way. Mm-hmm. And yet it overwhelmingly feels like everybody arrives to the same truths, which I find really, really interesting, right? Like, like reverse engineering what I did and what I do into your process makes perfect sense to me. Just like reverse engineering what I did and what I do to like what Jack Foster is doing as like VP of, of marketing for, I forgot the, I forgot it was like a learning development platform. Right. But it like, mm-hmm. it always, it always feels like very similar human scale, seeing somebody, right. Like recognizing someone's value, mm-hmm. caring enough to match their priorities with your priorities mm-hmm. empowering them to reach their priorities and then if we're doing it together find a way that we both make more out of it together 100% and it's just like we said earlier it's like new school old is new i mean it's just like the old days like i care enough about you as a human i care enough about my community members as enough as a human to pour extra value into them that extra value then is feeds a connection between both of us. And then that then sometime leads to commercial success for one or both of us. And it just happens time and time again. I'm, I'm seeing this now. I mean, where people, you know, Lori and other people that I know that are introducing me to people, making introductions, giving me referrals. And it's because I've poured into, you know, them or I, you know, not luck, a privilege of pouring into the pavilion community for three years. I mean, so that the number of people that I actually helped is now coming back to me tenfold. And I I see it because I'm living exactly what I yelled at every member to do. Give first. If you give, 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 eventually you'll get. I'm like, okay, people, I am like the, I'm actually the example. I would have no business without my the people that I engaged over the last three years. I, I couldn't agree more. First of all, Roanne, thank you. Jack Foster is the VP of marketing for WorkRamp. I want to give her the shout out there. But I I couldn't I couldn't agree more, right? Like I like I said, we've all arrived to this from a different perspective. I came from the world of being part of nonprofits and that world putting me into a lot of rooms that have to do with networking. And as a result, I learned kind of like the I don't know if I want to call it the hard way, but I, I learned from experience and feedback that you can't walk into a room asking for stuff. You got to walk into a room giving stuff. And mm-hmm. the most powerful people in town were the people on the boards of charities. And to a T, each of them talked about reaching their position by helping others. Mm-hmm. When you when you engage clients and you know, if I'm hearing you correctly you're walking in with under the flag of like, yeah, man, all this stuff's going to work if you are willing to get out there and do stuff for people and give first. How do you, how does that conversation fall into, you know, like new conversations, opening up clients, people that want to start communities? What's, what's the general reception to that message when Mm -hmm. you're in? Yeah. I mean, it's positive. And we, I think we all know it. It's like saying every Every company says, oh, we're customer focused. Everybody says it doesn't mean they do it. You know, so I think it's common sense in that we're doing that. And I mean, that's hundred percent what I'm saying. It's like, if you're going to start a community, you must commit to giving value time and time again, 
for 12 to 18 months before you will see commercial success of this initiative. So, I mean, I just have to lay it out on the line because one, you know, I can't make promises that everybody's going to engage and buy more of their product. And if it is, it's definitely not going to happen in three or six months. So very clear expectation setting, you know, from the beginning. But I think when you go into the backstory of what we've talked about, like the human connection, you know, just the basic psychology of humans, like they all understand it. You just have to frame it in the right way that they understand it from like, it's not going on a board slide for a year. Yeah, that makes sense. 12, 12 to 18 months seems really reasonable of commercial success, how you put it. When they ask you, yeah, but how do we know it's working? How do we know that this thing is, you know, that we're on the right path? What do you what, what do you say to people that say, cool, I'm in it for 12 to 18 months before it actually chichings the cash register, mm-hmm. but how do I know that I renew your contract in a quarter? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, one, everybody, you know, is going to start with engagement data. If this is a brand new community and like number of members, we're going to have to look at growth. We're going to have to look at engagement. So that's your going to be your first indicator. You're going to have to look at that. That is not the holy grail of what we're going to look at, you know, in, in a year or two years. You might also, like, I love when people already have referral data. If you already have referral data, we can use that as a benchmark and then just see how the community starts to, you know, amplify that initiative. Social mentions. So, you know, how many times are you being mentioned right now on social compared to what does that happen? How can we track that over time with a community? So there's things that are out there. And I, what I read someone, and I think it was probably Mark Schaefer's book, which I see you have on your back shelf, which I also read and I watched his podcast and I tried to tell him we were new best friends, but he has not acknowledged that we're new best friends yet. You know, it's a brand play, you know, like how do you measure brand, you know, in a short amount of time? You, you can't. So yeah, it's very similar. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. What do you think people misunderstand kind of like when they're when they are when when they're first starting, right? Like I mm-hmm. I, I I try to I try to tell people that it's like you can you can kind of like drive referrals and see if that's happening, but it's one thing to look at metrics from the from the growth standpoint. Mm-hmm. How in your experience What's the thing that you need to do to make yourself feel comfortable that you are tying the community itself to a commercial success? Mm-hmm. And by that, I mean, you know, like in Schaefer's book, he talks about it's a new leadership standard, right? Like he talks about this idea that you've got to be comfortable with letting the community kind of like lead the way in the topics and whatever. Have you found any kind of anecdotal data or stories around knowing whether or not you're on the right path to commercial success versus creating a gathering grounds of a bunch of people that are never going to use your service anyways? Mm-hmm. I mean, we're going to have a real clear point of view on that from the beginning. So, you know, obviously, like I said, we're going to measure engagement and all that, but we're going to set out business outcomes from the very beginning. So like, yes. what are those? That's kind of like going back to the referrals. Like we're going to increase referrals by X percent. We're going to do this by X percent. I mean, that's that's going to be the alignment of the entire community build from the commercial standpoint. And then we build all of this other stuff around it that's still moving it that way, but feels, mm-hmm. you know, still feels like the community part of it because you certainly cannot sell directly into a community or market directly into your community. I'd rather have people like a brand's going to start a community. I want them to think about it as they are sponsoring a community. 
Mm. Like, how do you sponsor it? Not be like the owner of it all in the business and trying to sell things. Yeah. Oof. That was a golden nugget right there. I'm going to have my team clip that and paste that across all my social media channels. So if you could just give this a pause right now, go into the show notes and connect with me on whatever platform you like to follow me on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, whatever you want to be a part of my life in connect with me there. I'm going to share that clip and you can share it with your friends so that they get the same lesson. It'll be adding value to their life. And while you're at it, go ahead and subscribe to the show. If you haven't already hit five star review, right? You don't have to leave a review. You just got to hit five stars. If you want to leave a review, cool. And maybe send the episode to your friend. That would be awesome. That's it. I'm done. Back to the show. What I've, what I've found works really well is how do you get, is getting, making sure that some level of that community, right? Like somewhere like 20 to 25% at the beginning is, is populated by people that, you know, loved your service. Right. Like, like our, 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 our biggest lesson was this idea that we reached the end of year one and had generated 40 million bucks from this community. And when we looked back at it, it was the handful of like super consumers of the community that were the folks that when somebody new showed up and they're like, is this real? Right. Like, or yeah, but I don't understand that we're willing to make time to answer their questions and validate it without us around. And fast forward, you know, three years later, we just had this like meetup here in Jacksonville. We've, we realized that from the online community, which was the talk show that we created for them. And then we've had a couple different bites of the apple of IRL events, right? Like putting people together and it hadn't really led to results until finally we did it in a way where a couple of weeks ago we had 50 people show up. We had pre-invited like six people that were like super members of the community to come and make sure that they could come and make the date that date. It ended up being like probably closer to like 15, 20 members of the community that were clients. And then everybody else that came were prospects or pipeline or people a little bit further out. But we realized that it was that that full day of interaction between, you know, us hosting, but like a full day interaction between people that were the super consumers and folks that were not yet consumers that ended up making it a commercial success, right? Like making, making that in-person meeting something that led directly to sales. Have you ever seen anything like that? Like, have you ever like tried to like accelerate the idea of who's in the room and pre-populate it with people that are already bought in? So one of the things that I wanted to talk to Leslie about, which we talked about in the onboarding call, is the need for like a point of view, right? We have been talking a lot about POV and past things that in past presentations and in my onboarding with Leslie, one of the one of the kind of like markers of of what she attributed a lot of value to is this having a unique point of view. I was just transitioning into the, into the POV conversation, Leslie. I know that you and I both, both believe in the value of a point of view, you know, like I, like John Ruggi, who's here, you know, I've, I've taken his POV framework and now I replicate it all the time. And I find that the more I put something into like a point of view, the better it works. And I'm a big believer in category design, but you were telling me you had your own thoughts on it and, and kind of like how it's one of the critical elements of a community. You want to tell me a little bit about that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think it, 
it could be for community, it could be for customer success, it could be for a new founder. It's like, what is your point of view on how you're going to treat your customers, your members from the moment you first interact with them? You know, it doesn't, things bring, building evangelists doesn't happen by happenstance. Building, having amazing customers who love your product doesn't happen by happenstance. So it's, you know, you've got to have a point of view on what that experience is going to look like. I mean, you have to have a great product, but if you can have that experience be something that's a differentiator between you and your competitors, same thing with, they say, having a community that's a differentiator, gives you more access, then, you know, it's, I don't know, you just got to have, you have to have it from the beginning. And if you don't, it's it's really hard to bring it in later. What's, what's worked for creating a point? When you think of a point of view, what does it look like? Okay, so if I think about the point of view that I had when I was at Pavilion is that we were going to create an enterprise level experience for an SMB purchase. So if you are paying me $2,000 a year, if you think about a normal product, you'd be lucky to be on a tech touch. You know, you'd be lucky that a bot showed up every once in a while to say, hey, how you doing? Whereas, you know, we said we were going to call every member within four hours of joining, four business hours of joining. It didn't matter whether you were in APAC or wherever. We would take one-on-one calls. We did, you know, one-on-one onboardings. We made special requests. So, I mean, it's like from the moment we started, we knew how we were going to treat them and the experience we wanted them to have rather than it just kind of morphing into itself because, you know, things get busy, priorities change. And if you don't have that point of view kind of written down and in stone, it's very easy to go away from that very quickly. I love that. It reminds me of, I was just in a mastermind this weekend with my business coach, Jerry McNamara. And I'm going to talk about this now in relationship driven growth in a second and, and lessons from there. But it reminds me of something that I believe Matt Klein Rock said, who's the host of Event Marketing Redefined, a client of ours. And he talked about how culture is created by casting a vision to someone and then fulfilling the vision, right? Like, and, 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 and staying true to that and showing people that you live your values and you can accomplish the mission that way. And it feels like if what I'm hearing from you is Pavilion had this idea of, Hey, we're going to, we're going to deliver an experience that people are used to paying way much more money for Mm -hmm. to, to, to folks paying a much more reasonable amount. And if we can fulfill that promise and stay true to that, that's going to grow the community. Therefore, let's base our decisions of what we invest, what we allocate resources into, mm-hmm. into fulfilling that, right? Like the, it becomes a, a guiding document to how you allocate resources of sorts. hundred percent, hundred percent. And not even just that, but it's like extra, like you have a certain expectation of what it would look like, you know, but it's one step even above that. Like the number of people is like, I can't believe you called me. Mm-hmm. Like you're calling me to welcome mm-hmm. me. I'm like, yeah, of course we're calling you to welcome you. You know, so that's just like that extra something too, not just the, not just the regular. That's, that's another thing that I think I'm really hot on. Well, not that I think I'm hot on, that I am hot on because it's one of our core values mm-hmm. that I learned from my biggest client, JWB, is this idea that setting things up to over-deliver is what drives affinity and what drives kind of like long LTV, if we want to call it and, mm-hmm. and word of mouth, right? Like they look at every experience in their company as how do I make sure that I'm promising something that I'm like a hundred percent sure I can hit and pretty sure that I can over deliver on so yeah. that every next step, you know, like if you over deliver on this step, 
then it's going to get somebody to the next two to three steps with some, with some kid. How did you, was that a thesis that you came up with? Like, where did, where, where did that learning come from of needing to prioritize that? You know, the over deliver part. Okay. So maybe it's from working at a blind store when I was 20 something and they, I mean, a lanyap, I don't know if anybody's familiar with that term. It's like this, you give somebody something extra. So if you came and bought blinds from us, we Mm -hmm. gave you a blind duster, an anti-static blind duster, you know, so that was, you know, what we learned back in the day. But I think that's just, I don't know. It's, it's the kind of thing that actually, if you think about, if you're the giver, it makes you feel good too. You know, it's like such a payment for both parties Mm -hmm. that it reinforces itself over time. Cause I'm like, okay, I sent you a baby onesie and you're like, oh my God, that was so thankful. I'm like, oh, that was, I'm so happy to have participated in that process, you know, yeah. with you. And so it, it reinforces both the giver and the, the getter. Yeah. It goes back to, it goes back to what you said at the beginning, right? Like we, I, I forgot how you put it. Right. But it's like, you said kind of back to the future or like we're moving forward to go mm-hmm. back to the beginning, right? Like it's, mm-hmm. we're, we're basically just basing things on common human decency and things that have always worked on a interpersonal relationship. So now that we have all this technology and all this other stuff we can do, why not operationalize those things as opposed to substituting it with automated things, right? More, more bots, more, <laughs> yeah, more whatever, and step yeah. back and put that human touch in there. And one thing people always ask is like, well, how's that scalable? And my first answer is not everything has to be scalable. And two is if you create this, you know, group of evangelists from the bottom up, you don't have to scale all of it yourself. You've got other people out there doing it for you. So like I have an engaging conversation with you. I talk about you to 10 people. So like you've already made me one times 10. And think about if you do that to the whole community, that's how it's scalable. It doesn't have to come just from me. I, I We instill it as a culture and a value from the beginning, and then it goes up and out. Totally. Totally. I like, man, I, that makes me think of something that I like to say, which is this idea that businesses are all an equation of cost of client acquisition plus operational costs has to be less than or equal to lifetime value. And Mm -hmm. just about everything that we read about or do or whatever to lower cost of client acquisition, increase lifetime value adds to operational costs in some way. Whereas this idea of investing into evangelists, right? Into community mm-hmm. and into empowering word of mouth in a, in a mm-hmm. systemized fashion is the one thing that at some point just completely takes off and takes that equation to another level of lowering cost of client acquisition, increasing lifetime value, keeping operational mm-hmm. costs consistent. Yep. And where I think the thing to keep in mind is, yeah, you might invest a little bit more in human capital at the beginning, yeah. but you're going to get that back long-term. So, you know, one extra headcount to turn these 50 raving fans into evangelists that then touch 10 more people, 500. So, yeah. I love that. I love that. Let's see. What do you think about, what do you think about platforms? Like the, do communities need to have, they need to have a platform. Can they, like, if, if we're, if we're taking this, a lot of our conversation has been based around your experience in pavilion and and being very tech enabled and 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 within all these other kind of like tech companies and b2b saas what do you think is the opportunity for like the like the service based you know sme to 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 think about this type of stuff is there 
I guess John John Ruggie and I and and Mike Dampas, I've been trying to like create this difference in like you don't have to be a category designer to be a category thinker, right? Is there mm-hmm. is there is there something like that also in this evangelist led world of you don't have to really have a five thousand person Facebook group or a Slack channel with however many people to apply this thinking? Can we like go a little smaller and say I'm the local insurance agent? That is that 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 specializes in commercial insurance and real estate. How am I applying these principles? Yeah, hundred percent. Think about how. I mean, again, go back to like from the moment your the potential customer calls you. What is that experience? Yeah. You know, if you think about home services, that's a huge differentiator. Over delivering, you know, it's just you can do it on any level. Honestly, I mean, it's person to person. Like right now, I'm you know, my evangelists are helping me grow my business. So, you know, I'm thinking about like, how do I make sure that I stay in touch with them? How do I go back and still add value to them? Do I make more introductions? Do I do that? So they still, you know, like it's a reciprocal, you know, a reciprocal kind of relationship over time. So, I mean, I think it can go to any level. And also you don't have to have a community, just like our example of, you know, looking at Pendo data and usage data. It's like, you're talking about a user who could have influence within an account to have more penetration within that account. I like that. What, are, what do you do you have plans for like do you have your own evangelist led growth kind of like plan for your business or like are you thinking about starting your own community of like evangelists and like evangelist enablers or something like that? When when does that become part of your business plan? Well, later. Yeah, yeah. Later. I mean, but then also I have to think about one, you know, like we kind of talked to almost touched on earlier is like I don't want to be the linchpin of the community. I want to make sure that I can provide an ample amount of value over time. I could support that yeah. for a long term. And honestly, that's, you know, that's a, it's a lot of work to, I mean, it's so much work. It's so much work to build a community, Pablo. I know that's like earth shattering news to you, but like I literally presented a plan today with 65 steps. <laughs> so it's a lot of work if you want to do it right. And the one thing which I'm sure every community manager out there that's going to listen to this thinks about is like, it's sometimes very emotionally draining because you're putting so much into there and you're like coming up with these engagement plans and content and then no one shows up. And it's like, Oh, I must be terrible. You know? So it's like, I got to make sure that I'm fully divested of that. Like my mental health could not handle that. So Sorry, I might have gone in a little bit too deep there. No, no. Listen, I think you're speaking straight to most of us community builders here, right? Like in in in, in that feeling, I can tell you that in my in my business, right? Like I've been now in business for this is my fourth year in business, and I'm just starting to get to the point where I can support a community, right? Like I as as much as we have as much as we have evangelized the internet talk show. There was about two years before we could actually launch our own internet talk show. And then about a year in order for the internet talk show to create enough for a community. And then, and now we're really thinking about, you know, we have this Facebook group with people that have taken our course. And now how do we operationalize what the programming and the experience for those folks, right? It's been free. People have done it. Now we're thinking of ways of kind of like, taking things that we do in-house as a company and sharing them systematically inside of there so that, and then figuring out how to identify who's succeeding in there and applying the methodology that we're doing and sharing that stuff. I think there's nothing, there's nothing worse than you can do than, you know, have like you and I put in 
five, 10 years of relationship building and and finding value for people. And then all of a sudden inviting him to a space and they trust you with their attention for that moment, they get to the space and all of a sudden you can't sustain what's needed for that space to thrive. You know, it's, a it's, really, it's a lot of pressure. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it really just, it makes your relationship capital that you've invested so much, very, very vulnerable. If you don't provide that experience right off the yeah. bat. 100%. And that's, I love that you brought up relationship capital, social, I call it social capital. You know, that's, yeah, if you don't deliver, then you've just thrown a whole bunch of that, to, those tokens out the window. Yeah, yeah, totally. And 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 to, and to your other point, right? Like if we're going to talk about it as capital, I do see what you're talking about as investing your capital in something that provides compounding returns, right? Like if you are, if what you're doing is investing your social capital instead of like turning you into the Superman, Superwoman, chief evangelist, but you're investing your social capital into making people mini evangelists, it is something that in time turns into this like compounding returns equation that I really, really like. Yep. 100%. Like I said, living it every day. <laughs> All right. In about five minutes, we're going to bring everybody up and start relationship-driven growth strategy sessions. I got some stuff to share. So Leslie, you're, feel free to stick around or if you got something to do, that's fine. I'll stick um, around for a little bit. I'd love to hear what it sounds like. Yeah, cool. What I would love to, what I'd love to hear from you is what is, you know, why do you think that the, I feel like, first of all, let's start with what do you think is making community such a such a viable conversation, right? Like, do you feel like today versus three years ago, community has become a thing? Well, it's probably been a thing in lots of different places. In the world that I navigate, B2B SaaS, it's becoming a thing. I mean, I don't know. I mean, in, even at B2B MX, it was the um, CMO of HubSpot or Sendoso. CMO of Sendoso said, and I, I'll watch the session so I can quote it. She said, if you do not have a community and you're here in this room, you are basically behind, which she said mm-hmm. to the entire, like a 300 person audience in the middle mm-hmm. of a, a thing. So, I mean, it's definitely catching on here. It's, you know, it's been around everywhere. It's just, we've either not taken advantage of it or we've kind of bastardized it by putting too many metrics and this and that behind it and lost the human aspect. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So I was, I was asking that in order to set this up, but like, I feel like the same, the same signals that I'm getting from community about a year, year and a half ago, I feel like I'm getting about evangelism now, right? Like if, Mm -hmm. if community is now tipping, right? Like CMO of Sendoso saying you're behind if you don't have it at this point, I feel like the role of an evangelist or the awareness of what evangelism is for business is now starting to spark. Do you feel that? hundred percent. I mean, when I was doing this initial research, I was like, I talked to three or four people who had had evangelists in their, in their title. And now it's like, now there are 30 Mm -hmm. and there's so much talk about it and they're naming it and claiming it where you, you know, like I told my mom, I'm like, Oh, the name of my company is chief evangelist consulting. She's like, when did you start going to church? You know, so, you know, she, you know, she doesn't, didn't understand evangelism and the concept in which that, we're talking about it. What do you think is driving this like elevated adoption for the term evangelist when it comes to the business? Mm-hmm. I think it's people realizing that human to human interaction is, is the way that on, there's only so far that certain types of marketing can take us if we take the human part of it. And I think it's just, again, 
Old is new. Old is new. Old is new. I feel like that's that's almost like the theme of the theme of this episode. Push this out four or five years, right? Like, what does the world of community and evangelism look like for you in the next, like, in, in, in five years? If if you think mm-hmm. that things are going, if, if things play out the way that you're you're betting on these days, yeah, I think we'll be kind of like the tech economy in general. We'll have gone from the boom to the bust to the boom again, and I think a lot of people will get excited and think they're going to grow a community or start a community, just kind of like they did in the pandemic, and they will fail because it didn't take a strategic view, but the, you know, the phoenixes will rise and the ones that do it really well, we're going to be so successful. We're already seeing that, you know, Salesforce, HubSpot, Notion, you know, you're seeing those people already doing it that have withstood the the test of time. So I think we're going to see big adoption, probably a little failure, and then probably rise again. Do you think, do you think it percolates down to like the like the small business world? Like, do you think this gets to Main Street America in the in the next five years? Or do, or do you think it's, do you think it still stays as this like Silicon Valley venture capital kind of like move? Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. What do you think? I think so. <laughs> like, I, I'm a, I'm a big believer in how much this has worked for me in my career. Mm-hmm. And if I can do it in my career from the standpoint of like, guy put in the corner inside of a bigger company. And and I've been able to like push through by being an evangelist, creating community around me, like investing in community, Mm -hmm. being the super connector kind of thing. I'm, I'm a really big believer that this is the most like underrated lever for personal kind of growth and Mm -hmm. company growth. And I really think that the world in the next five years is going to get thanks to AI and all the stuff Mm -hmm. that we were talking about before more and more things are going to get commoditized, right? Like Mm -hmm. demand and supply are becoming more and more commoditized everywhere. And that means that it's going to be a giant tech company at the top in every vertical. And then the people that are still thriving in those verticals that are not racing to the bottom are people that are investing in community and having evangelists that have been enabled. Like, I think it's going to be a survival mechanism in the next Mm -hmm. five years for the small business. Like how does, how does a realtor compete with Zillow right now? Because they, it's about the personal connection. Yeah. Same as it, same as it always was. Yeah. Yeah. Same (laughs) as always was. And that's, that's only going to become more prevalent, right? Like, I I don't know. That's, that's my take. I agree. Leslie. I really appreciate you doing this, right? Like, I love what you're working on. I love the way that you talk about it. I think that your experience in the space and the and the the connections that you have access to based on your experience at Pavilion is going to be something that's going to allow this thing to spread. You know, I, I agree with evangelist-led growth, right? Like, I think that your method of having bottom-up evangelists is going to be the winning formula that plays out. And I think it's going to be very, very obvious when you become a household name for all this stuff. What is the best way for people that listen to this show that, you know, are like, I need more Leslie in my life. What's the best way to, to connect with you and do business with you? Yeah, I'd say catch me on LinkedIn. I'm just the normal LinkedIn and Leslie Dash Greenwood. I'm unfortunately there probably too much also in my life for my good mental health. But yeah, connect me there. You can always DM me. Just don't pitch slap me because if you do that, I will delete you. Love it. There you go. Go connect with Leslie. Don't pitch slap her, whatever you do. Uh, But if you want to find out more about how the role of evangelist fits into the equation and you haven't been uh, following along here, there's a couple of 
uh, keynotes that I released earlier this year. One is episode 2009, which is the three-step formula to community building for companies. Starts with evangelist, moves into evangelist-led growth, and then goes into this idea of the watering hole. Not in all, the, not in the same words, right? But you're going to notice that the formula is different of what we're talking about. And then I also released how to become a business evangelist in episode 211, which are the frameworks that I've used to really be able to accelerate my career, accelerate uh, the spreading of my message, the evangelism of the problems that I solve, both personally and professionally. I think you're really going to like it. So 209, three steps to community building. If you're thinking about how this evangelist-led growth stuff fits into the big picture, and 211, how to become a business evangelist of the B2B Community Builder Show if you want to adapt this stuff. And of course, got to thank my team as always. Number one, I always thank Roanne because she just keeps me doing all the things I need to be doing as the account manager on this project. Gina, who's built this amazing world-class culture and brought us an amazing team and recruited amazing talent like her right-hand Marge who makes everything happen. Um, JP, our employee number one who does all the all the cool stuff right he's making all the videos he's making all the all the audio stuff everything that you see and touch is touched by the creative uh, director of our company jp employee number one who is training another awesome creative philippe to um you know follow in his footsteps and do great things for us like the client activations that we do for our clients repurposing that type of content all helped by rita our content strategist who basically takes the things that we promise and make sure that you get the results that we say um, based on the content that we are creating, right? Like making sure it's all congruent, the story is right, that you're getting the results that you need. Our two awesome account managers, uh, Joanna and Joyce, and our amazing superstar writer, Nicola, who has been my buddy now for going on like four or five years. He's turning into a man. I first started mentoring when he was 13 and he interviewed me on a podcast and now he's becoming a world-class writer. So I want to thank the whole team and I want to encourage you to always, always consider the impact of relationships being more valuable than transactions. See you next week.